You're listening to City Church Long Beach Sermons Podcast. You can visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. Hey friends, I am sad that neither Bill or I could be there in person with you this morning, but I am so grateful for both the technology and the incredible Sunday setup team um, where we're just, we're able to gather in this way at least. So yeah, sad not to be with you, but so glad you can all be together Um, And I am excited for this series that we get to dive into. Um, I am not immune to the new year phenomena. Uh, I'm sure you guys aren't either, whether you love it or you hate it. There's just this reality that this is a season where we tend to get kind of introspective. uh, And we're coming to our lives with a little bit more just questioning and intentionality. There's something in us that really just we want to live well. We want to live fully. And I actually think that is a God-given thing. This is actually something that Jesus cared about. He said that he came so that we could have life and have it to the full. Jesus doesn't want us just to kind of like survive. He actually envisions a world where everybody gets to live fully and abundantly. And But the thing is, I think the thing that gets tricky about this season, and many of us have experienced this, um, is that we have a tendency to start shooting all over ourselves, right? We tend to make it, um, we come at it out of this place of dissatisfaction and frustration and disappointment, maybe even anger or disgust. I don't know if any of those words resonate with you, but there's a sense of, we want to be here And we're just so frustrated that we're here. And that tends not to be just the most productive, helpful, kind way to relate with ourselves. It really makes me think of uh, public theologian Christina Cleveland. Uh, She has this way of talking about God as many people relate to God as white male God. Um, And hey, if you're here and you're white or you're male and you're like, this doesn't relate to me, okay, but, you know, broad strokes, right? Thinking about sort of broad cultural um, ways of being, norms, patriarchy, toxic masculinity, white male God. And this sense that when it comes to us being better, there's this this God who's rigid and demanding and, and set apart and that that's where so many of our, our shoulds come from, this, this white male God, this accuser in our heads who's telling us that we never measure up. And yet, let's contrast that with the passage that was just read for us, this picture of wisdom, Sophia, Jesus, saying, man, I was filled with delight from the very beginning, delight day after day, delighting in God and God's world and God's people. That is such a different picture than white male God's demands. I'm delighted with you. I live, I connect, I breathe out of delight. One aspect of delight that really fascinated me this week as I was I was leaning into this, I was reading a little bit about the psychology of delight. And this one researcher makes the note that delight is so much about curiosity. It's about discovery, learning, just always being willing to be surprised. Um, The sense that love digs for and calls out the good in each other, 
uh, delight is about appreciating what is and what could be as that goodness develops and expands. Perhaps some of you who've been in long-term relationships, you've known, you've noticed how this works. You know, this sense that you always have to stay curious about the other person, whether you've been together for five days, five years, five decades, there's always more to learn about who they are, how they work, how they're becoming, and that's part of what keeps our love and our delight alive. Um, now compare this idea of delight as curiosity with this idea that delight is about knowing it all. In 1 Corinthians 8, uh, Paul is talking to some people about how they're approaching conflict, saying, hey, now about contentious issues, we know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Knowledge convinces us that we're right, but it doesn't actually help us love the person in front of us. It doesn't actually help us delight. Can we stay curious? about ourselves? Can we stay curious about the people that we're in relationship with? To notice things that are happening, maybe even things that we're like, oh, I'm not sure this is exactly right. But to ask, hey, what's going on? I notice this. And with compassion, with curiosity, with hope, I just wonder what's happening at the deeper levels. So I want to encourage you, we're going to give you a minute to lean in and, and to think a little bit about these things. So let's keep thinking about this wisdom of delight. Jesus, he's talking to his friends, Jesus, who, who is wisdom, who is Sophia. So he says, I have called you my friends for everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. That's it, right? It's not complicated. He just says, if we can get this one thing, this love that I've experienced with the Father, this love that I have poured out on you, if you could live in that love, if you can love each other in the same way, that's where it all starts and everything else blossoms from there. That's how good stuff, the fruit, happens. And we actually say, I mean, that is the picture of God, God's self. This picture of Sophia who says, I was with God from the very beginning. God as one God, three persons woven together in relationship, this intimate dance of togetherness from the beginning of time. There's a love that begins within God's self and then just overflows to all of creation, all of humanity. God is within God's self relational and not because God has to, but just because God wants to. This is who God is. This love just overflows. Our, uh, I want to say our friend, Lisa Sharon Harper, but really just uh, a wonderful theologian and author, uh, so many of us love, Lisa Sharon Harper. Uh, she says that God created the world in a web of relationships that overflowed with forceful goodness. The forceful goodness that was contained within God's self just, just spreads, grows. It's like this ripple effect, right? And so we created in God's image, created in the Imago Dei, we are part of that overflowing love and we get to join in. We actually get to love others, love our world, love God in a way that overflows too. 
that builds, heals, creates, restores this idea of, of fruitfulness. So when we think about wisdom, maybe even coming to like a decision point in our lives, one question that has actually, it's been, it's been a question that many spiritual thinkers have, have encouraged uh, really throughout the history of Christianity, is that we might stop and ask, which pathway leads us towards life, towards growth, healing, expansion? And which pathway leads towards a shrinking, a death, a narrowing of our lives? Wisdom would lead us in the direction where love expands, where we grow, where we heal. So a question that we're going to ask this morning is, what fruit wants to grow in your life these days? What is it? What do you need to blossom and grow? And, and that's actually not a selfish question, friends, because your growth benefits everyone around you. Okay, so this is that time. We're going to take another minute. And I'm going to invite you, name one or two skills or passions you have that add goodness to the world around you. What might it look like to give them some sun and water over the coming month? A friend of ours, uh, a young minister up in San Francisco, Joshua Jalandun, offers this reflection as he was thinking about a time in his life where he was just not feeling very connected to God. And he says this, the barriers keeping me from prayer stemmed from one root cause. I did not enjoy praying. Prayer was not life-giving. It was a chore. This sobering realization caused a significant shift in my thinking as my questions changed from why don't I pray, should, 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 to how can prayer elicit delight in God? Notice, compassion, curiosity. How can spiritual practice become more beautiful in my life? Oh, there is so much goodness in this, this one little paragraph, right? Where we just notice like this is how we're, we're often told to think should, should, should. And we can move to a place of just, just curiosity and welcome and like, man, this is so human. It's so normal. And it doesn't mean we have to stay here. We can actually be intentional to cultivate delight in our relationships. So for instance, Joshua begins to burn incense more often when he prays because that's a way of involving his whole body to acknowledge that he is more than just a head. He's a body with senses and a full self to bring to God. And so he says, hey, this, this element of beauty that will involve my full body, this is a way that I can add delight and beauty to my relationship with prayer and can shift it from being this should, I should do this, to I get to do this. We see this in so many of our relationships, right? Like, for instance, maybe some of you are or have been married, and it's normal uh, in a marriage in any long-term relationships for there to be seasons that are more difficult. And maybe you find yourself fighting more often. You have more hard stuff that you have to address. And hey, yeah, you are going to have to do some real work in the relationship. But any therapist, any counselor would say, at the same time, you have to set aside some moments where you just get to pursue joy. You just get to delight in each other and, and really try to remember 
why you chose each other in the first place. What is deeply good about this relationship that you can join into? So that instead of just connecting to just this, this sense of duty, should, 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 we're actually connecting to an even deeper sense of desire, a deeper why, a deeper hope that leads us forward. So in scripture, we see this invitation to connect with a God who is delightful. Taste and see that the Lord is good, is what the Psalms tell us. It's such an embodied description of delighting in God, not just listen and think about how God is good. Taste on your tongue with your whole self. Can you acknowledge that this, can you sit in the reality that this God is good? What, what would lead you there? You know, what do you need that would move a time of prayer, a time reading scripture, a time listening to scripture, um, a time showing up at a, a small group of people who want to read a book together? What would make it delightful to you to connect with the deepest part of yourself that wants to connect with the divine, that wants to connect with the spiritual that wants to connect with the God who revealed God's self as Jesus, as Sophia, wisdom. So yeah, is it burning incense? Is it listening to music? Is it walking at the beach? Is it sitting inside a closet that's nice and dark and cozy? Is it serving? Is it protesting? There are so many ways that we can connect, that we can delight with our whole selves and see that God is good. But now, it has to be said, none of this will actually help. None of it, unless we believe that God delights in us too. Because the reality is we hide from the people who constantly criticize us, right? We don't want to be there. That is, that is the opposite of a desire situation to put ourselves in a place where we feel like we are going to be torn down or just, man, there's just disappointment surrounding us, lack of hope, lack of expectation, lack of curiosity. The most transformative life-giving relationships we have are always the ones that start from a place of showing us how delightful we are, that inspire us to be our best selves by just calling it out in us wow, that's amazing. I see you. I love you. And that's what wisdom does, right? Wisdom, Jesus, delights in all of humanity. And that includes you. There's another verse in Zephaniah, which if you've never heard of that book, I don't blame you, but Zephaniah is, a, in fact, a book in the Bible. And in Zephaniah 3.17, it says, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty war warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you and rejoice over you with singing. How does that feel? Like, can you actually believe that? Can you receive that and let it sink in? Are you able to name a handful of things about you that you think, yeah, God probably delights in this. This is one of the ways that I uniquely express the image of God, the Imago Dei. This is one of those things that is just part of my, my intrinsic belovedness. That's going to be part of what helps us experience and delight in God, is knowing that God also delights in us.
So for this last moment of reflection before a little bit of small group time, um, I'm going to offer you two options, okay? One question you could reflect on would be just naming two or three ways, a few ways that you have experienced God through beauty and joy, your senses, over the last month. And how would you like to include your body and your senses more in your spiritual life in the month ahead? To be able to shift into that place of not, I should, but I get to. I get to take this time to nourish my spiritual life and my connection with God. The other possibility is maybe you really need to start from that place of going, do I believe, can I believe that God delights in me too? So you might want to just name two or three things that good people in your life have found delightful about you. They've expressed it to you. You've heard them compliment you. Just just be a good mirror in your life showing you where you are deeply good. And then I want you to take a moment to imagine God smiling at you proudly and singing their delight over those aspects of you as well. When emotions and bodily sensations come up for you, are you able to receive God's delight? Let's take that moment for reflection.